Awesome. Hello. Hey, how okay, are you? Okay, so here is our cold open discussion. I'm doing great, by the way. You yeah. said, how are you? And I yeah. totally ignored that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This I, is, I'm married. I'm used to it. <laughs> this is Luke. He is a youth from a youth student from San Bernardino. Hey, I think who I know who this guy is. Luke, I am your father. Luke. Love you, Luke. Are demons afraid of crosses? No. <laughs> no. No. Okay. No, yeah. Dracula might be. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, Luke, um, yeah, the cross doesn't even become a symbol that it is mm -hmm. um, for, I mean, a couple hundred years ago. Like, if you go to Boston and you look at all the Protestant graves, you will not see one cross. Do you know what wow. you see? It's really creepy. You see skulls on the top of the tombs with little hands. It's the resurrection. So they're, wow. they're, they believe they're, they're going to come, come out. out like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of Christians like to make fun of Mormons because they don't put crosses on mm -hmm. their churches. But the truth is when Mormonism started, we did not have the influx of Catholicism in America mm -hmm. that we have today. And so really Catholics brought the symbol of hmm. the cross. And, um, you know, we don't know exactly what the cross looked like, but it probably looked more like a capital T mm -hmm. than it did like the plus have, symbol yeah. that we have. And so, um, I mean, the early symbol of the church was a fish, um, but that's a whole nother issue that, you know, probably has more to do with the Zodiac, which would just make Christians lose their minds <laughs> um, because uh, the age of Jesus is in, is in the symbol of the age of the fish. And so mm. he's the Lord of this age. Mm -hmm. And the next age is the age of Aquarius and the symbol is water. And Jesus promises, yeah. uh, I, I'm going to bring you living yeah. water. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, there's just a, a lot of, symbolism that we've lost and, and Christianity has ebbed and flowed with, with what the symbol is. And um, so no, demons, they would laugh at that. What they're yeah. afraid of is uh, the name of Jesus mm -hmm. from a believer who knows Jesus. So like if you go to the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva, mm -hmm. we wanna, we're going to kick you out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Yeah. And the demon's like, oh, they I laugh. know Paul. Right. I know Jesus. I don't know who you. you? Yeah. And it's one of the funniest ones. He beats them bloody and naked yes. and they run out screaming. Right. So yeah, you can, um, you know, there's, there's no power in any symbol. Mm. Uh, there's power in the risen Jesus. And so for us as Christians, we just need to really be reminded of that. And I'm not saying, I know some people have, you know, crosses on their back, there's crosses on the church. Sure. I, I get this question all the time. Where's the cross mm -hmm. in Sandals Church? Because they feel like if we don't have it, you know, we're not Christian. And, and the truth is our campuses that have a cross, we leave them. And the ones that we don't, man, if you want to donate a couple hundred grand, we'll put one in. You know, our faith is not in the cross. It's the faith, our faith is in the one who died on yeah. the cross. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I, I think early Christians would be just as confused as if we like ran around with a, like a necklace of a gas chamber or an electric chair on our necks. It was a symbol of Roman punishment that eventually became the symbol of the church. Hmm. But again, it's, it, the resurrection is why we believe in Jesus. Yeah. A lot of people died on the cross, man, for all kinds of reasons. And, and many of them were died unjustly, mm -hmm. just like Jesus. What makes Jesus unique is the empty tomb. Um, and that's really the symbol of our faith is that he, that he wasn't there, he hmm. rose. And so it's, we've lost the resurrection. Um, the crucifixion is, is the negative side, but the belief side, the faith side, comes from the fact that he rose from the dead, but we've lost that. Yeah. We've made it all about the death and we have forgotten. I mean, even like when I do funerals, everybody talks about heaven. Nobody talks about resurrection mm. anymore. 
we, what we await is the return of our King who will resurrect us just like he was resurrected. You were not made to live in heaven. Angels, principalities, powers, they are designed to live in heaven. You and I were made to live on earth. Mm -hmm. uh, a new heaven and a new earth will be made. And that's what the Bible says. And that's the promise of the city of God that comes from heaven and falls on the earth, the new Jerusalem that will land. And, and all of us will be able to go there and mm -hmm. it's gonna be beautiful and amazing. Um, and Revelation is confusing, but but that's a real city that, mm -hmm. that, that descends upon the earth and it's massive and it's beautiful. And there's nothing terrifying for believers. That's what it means. There's no sea, all the surfers are like, oh, well, Jews hate the ocean. That's where the Philistines come from. That's where, you know, Jonah was swallowed. Those are scary things. There's They're, no sea? That's what revelation, in the city, oh. there's no sea, but there is a river. Okay. That so, is, is clear as crystal. Yes. Yeah. And on it is the tree of life. Yes. So, I want my mansion to be right there. Yes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, yeah there's that's my good. answer. They're not afraid of crosses. I, I mean, there's a lot of things right now like people are using sage to get rid of demons mm. and using, you know, there's this thing, there's this whole- Might make them smell better. Yeah, but demons aren't afraid of sage. No. As much, right, exactly. Or crystals. People are using crystals, putting them in their room to try to get you rid know of- how, You know how powerful a crystal is? It's as powerful as I can throw it at you. That's yeah. how powerful, that's yeah. all the power So unless is. you can throw yeah. it at the demon, <clears throat> yeah. it's it's not working. Yeah. That's not working. Yeah, and that's just, you know, where there's this complete blending of our culture and our faith. Mm -hmm. and, and we can't, we have to untangle those things. There, there's no power in a, in a crystal. It's a stone, right. it's a rock, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, God made it, but it's not, you know, there's there's no more power in a, in a crystal than there is in any other kind of rock. It's, right. just, it's just a beautiful thing that, you know, captures our eye and, mm -hmm you know, looks good around our neck, so we create a story. But yeah. there's no power in those crystals. I mean, right. there just isn't. And the so. sage, cook with it, make your food taste yeah. yummy. But the demons are not afraid of your smoke, no. your sage smoke. Awesome, no. thank you. They Thanks. might be drawn to it, they might be hungry. Right, <laughs> they're coming in on the sage mm. uh, waves. Okay, great question, Luke. Thanks, Luke, <clears throat> we appreciate your question, awesome. And welcome to a new season of the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where author and pastor Matt Brown answers your questions about cultural issues, spirituality, um, and answers them from a biblical, faith-based perspective. And I'm Donna Martin, and I get to be your host. Hello, hey. Pastor Matt. Hey, How you glad doing? to be here. Yep. Awesome. That was a great cold open question. Thank it you, Luke. It really was. Thanks, Luke. Mm -hmm. We love you, Luke. All right. So, um, I'm excited about this. Our series on the uh, being different or mm -hmm. being has been incredible. And every week you're giving something amazing about the book of Ephesians. And I hope people are listening and watching and actually reading yeah. through the book of Ephesians because yeah, there's so such good, uh, good stuff in there all through the Bible, but especially in the book of Ephesians. Love it. If you guys have a question, you want to go to move.sc forward slash ask, or you can just write there on the app. You can open it up and you can press a little button there and you can submit a question. If you have questions about what's going on in the sermon, you don't understand something Pastor Matt said, or something that's happening in culture, please submit your questions. We may not get to all of them um, in one episode, but we will do our best because so many come in. Please, please, please ask, submit. Yeah, they're all great. They're all It's amazing. right at the bottom of the sermon, right? Right at the bottom of the Correct. notes. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and, and, and submit or go to the website, move.sc forward slash ask. Ask, ask, ask. 
we love hearing all of the things that Pastor Matt has to say about uh, just things that are going on about the sermon and about life. Love it. So thank you guys for submitting. Um, so this week you did a sermon on a different unity. Right. Um, can you summarize that a little bit or tell us what that was uh, just for those that didn't hear or for those of us that did hear and need to hear it again? Right. So the... So a different unity is is the blending together of separate cultures. So you have Jewish culture and you have Gentile culture, mm-hmm. culture and they're very foreign. And so yeah. until Christianity, they did not live together, mm-hmm. eat together, associate together. So think about it, they worshiped in different locations. They lived in different parts of the cities. They didn't eat together. They didn't shop together. Wow. Um, you know, just completely separate. And so now all of a sudden, we have, we're Christians and we're sharing a meal together, the Lord's Supper, we're worshiping together, um, we're talking with each other, mm. we're meeting in community groups mm-hmm. together. And so really the book of Ephesians is the theological reason why we do that. Mm-hmm. It's not just like kumbaya, kumbaya, we all need to get along. It's actually, look, part of the reason we're worshiping together is a picture of what God has done for us mm-hmm. on the cross. So Luke's question was, you know, are, are, are demons afraid of the cross? No, but... Uh, Racism should be mm-hmm. because what it does is it takes the two men who were once hostile towards each other and it has killed the hostility between them and they have now become one man. Yeah. Uh, and that's what happens in the church is, um, you know, Donna, you're black, I'm white, you're a woman, I'm a man. But when we come to the cross, we come as equals. Mm-hmm. You know, so many young people today, they they want, um, you know, they talk about equality in everything, equity. Mm-hmm. You know, we want equity. Well, the only way we get that in culture is through the cross. Now, we can all point to reasons where the church has failed and, and, and not reasons, but situations where the mm-hmm. tr- church has failed. And that's largely because we have allowed ourselves to be more cultural driven than we have been Christ driven. And what we want to do as a church is, is look at the book of Ephesians and, and, and try to reimagine what that was like for Jews and Gentiles who were so different mm-hmm. to suddenly find themselves um, one in a church, in, in close proximity, in relationships. Um, and, and, and this was a huge, huge challenge and so for Paul, the reason that we do this is not because of what we're going to do, but because of what Christ mm-hmm. has done. And that's what makes us unified. And, and the same thing is true now. We're more concerned about politics. We're more concerned about race. We're more concerned about sexism. We, we have all of these issues that, that are more important to us than mm-hmm. the unity that we have to have in Christ. And then these are our challenges. Um, you know, even when it comes to non-racial things, but just like forgiveness. Yeah. Like I was talking with one of our pastors who's struggling with an issue between um, some women in his, in, at his campus and they just can't get along. And the bottom line is they care more about their differences mm-hmm. than the unity they have with grace because of Christ. Mm-hmm. They can't extend grace to each other the way that they have received it from Christ. And that's just, that's just the bottom line. And, and we see this all the time. Um, you know, I mean, that's been the biggest heartbreak of, of Tammy and I over the last 25 years at Sandals Churches, all of the broken relationships yeah. because there wasn't grace, mm. um, you know, e- either on my part or on the person's part that I offended. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm following this pastor in Northern California. He's doing a series called Unoffendable. And it's like, wow, I wish I had come up with that. Maybe I will steal that. So, great question. <laughs> we'll, we'll still rec- we'll still listen if you yeah. do. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. This And it leads into this first question. Um, and it's connected to understanding our calling and God, being in God's story. But it's Mike from Riverside. Hello, Mike. Hey, Mike. Pastor Matt, you've mentioned a few times in your different series that a major theme that people miss in the book of Ephesians is ethnicity and dealing with racism, which is kind of what we just talked about. When I read the book, Paul seems to really emphasize the uniqueness 
that the Gentiles have been included in God's redemptive plan. My question is, why is Paul so focused on the Ephesians getting this point? Was it weird culturally for them to convert to Christianity? Did the Ephesians think it was weird to be associated with what started as a Jewish fringe movement? Would love your perspective on this. The emphasis of the on the themes of ethnicity and heritage in Ephesians are confusing for me. Right. So uh, everywhere else in America, everywhere else except America, religion and culture are married. Right. So when you go to Turkey, they have to become Christian is to mean you are no longer a Turk. That's Mm. the way that they view it. Mm -hmm. So my culture and my faith are the same. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way it was. And so really what's happening, you know, I mean, imagine if like, you felt like in order to be a Christian, you you could no longer be a black woman. Mm-hmm. The way that you understood that, the right. way that you had experienced that. And that's how it would have felt for uh, Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I no longer shop at these places. I no longer eat at these places. I no longer participate in these things that make me a Gentile. Now that's not their word for themselves. Right. Gentile is actually kind of a derogatory word to describe the nations, but what it means is non-Jews. Mm-hmm. So the Jews are God's chosen people. And then everybody else is just like this not. hodgepodge of like, <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, not. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then for Jews, right, what made them uniquely Jewish was how they ate, how they dressed, who they associated with. And so for them, some of who they are has to die mm-hmm. in order for them to follow their Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, uh, the Lord, you know, the, the Lord saves, right? So they, they're, they're believing in that. And it's just this. It's the same struggle we have now is, 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 is how do I, as a Democrat, uh, or how do I, as a Republican, I have these deeply held values. How do, mm. how do I push those down to become secondary so that I can be one in Christ? That's a real challenge. Uh, how do you, as a black woman, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you experienced racism, I'm sure you've experienced chauvinism. Those things are very real. How do those things become secondary right. to the unity that you have in Christ? Um, in the same way, you know, the odd thing about being me at this time is, you know, white men, especially conservative men, are experiencing, um, you know, hatred Absolutely. at a level that, you know, we had a pretty good run. I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> we, had, we had like a good couple, hundred, yeah, good, good couple hundred year run and it's over. Yeah. And so white men are experiencing Absolutely. this. And so they have issues, they feel unheard. But now how does that become secondary to what uh, I need to hear about from Christ? And so we all have to push that down. And that's what the book of Ephesians Mm. is about, which culminates and is so missed in Ephesians 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Mm -hmm. but against powers and principalities of the unseen world. Our issue is not black, white. Our issue is demonic. That's right. And, um, you know, so much... Of, of the hostility in our, our world is manufactured by this division. How can we highlight um, where I've missed you as a black woman, where you've missed me as a white man? How can we run to our corners rather than running to Christ? Mm-hmm. And that's what the media does. That's what culture does. Because man, the only way really to get culture to engage is through rage. You know, and that's why our culture is just so angry. But we have the exact opposite commandment in church. Rage is not our motivation. Right. It's grace, which is really easy to run out of that. And so that's what Paul is talking about. And I'm just, I, I've never heard ever in any of my theological training, a pastor talk about racism and uh, the issues that were surrounding that in Ephesus. Yeah. It me, all comes, it, it immediately goes to predestination. Mm-hmm. So they go, they go to this theological construct of, as has, has God decided everything before we were ever formed and they miss the divide. Mm-hmm. And the divide is not black, white, but Jew, Gentile. And what Paul is saying is, look, man, God, before the foundations of the earth has chosen mm-hmm. 
that you two would become one through Christ. This is not a new plan. This is the mystery hidden for ages, hidden for ages that has now been revealed in Christ. Dun, dun, right? (laughs) This is it. And it's screaming at the theologian. It's screaming Mm. at the Bible professor. It's screaming at the Christian. But because we ask the wrong questions, we miss the point of Ephesians. The point of Ephesians is the mystery of God has been revealed. And that mystery is, Donna, you as a black woman and me as a white man are one in Christ. Mm-hmm. because of what he did on the cross. And when we miss that, we miss it. Um, you know, I was at San Bernardino. I was at your campus um, two weeks ago um, for that new teen center mm-hmm. they're building. And there was a guy named Larry, um, which I, I'll i never forget his name because my grandfather's name's Larry. My uncle's name's Larry. You know, two very important white men in my life. <laughs> but Larry's a black guy. Mm-hmm. And here's what Larry told me. Um, and Larry, if he's listening, I'm praying for you. He struggles with insomnia. And that is brutal. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't sleep, man, life is not uh, not, life is not good. But Larry, Larry said this, he said, I just want, I just want to thank you because you care so much about black people. So there's a part of me that, right. That's great. Yeah. And then there's a part of me where I'm like, that's awful <laughs> that what he's experiencing from me seems Isn't unusual. It? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just like, what is wrong with us as the church that he feels like he found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow mm-hmm. where like he's loved as a black man. I'm like, yes, yes, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and he had this really cool sweatshirt on and I can't remember what it said, but it was like, like Jesus is my jam or something. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't lame like that. It was way better than that, but it was so cool. His, his, uh, his sweatshirt was so cool. But, but that's the thing that, that broke my heart and, and think about mm. San Bernardino and, and you've talked briefly about yeah. just the division between black and brown in San Bernardino. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times we think about the issue is just black and white, but man, it's black, brown, it's Asian, white, it's, yeah. it's all of these groups, right. man. It, and it's just a complete breakdown and think about what happens. You know, here's the world. You know what they do when you go to prison? They house you in mm. prison based upon the color of your skin. Yeah. Did you know that? I, I mean, I've seen it in movies. Yeah. I've experienced I know, I'm glad you haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I, Donna hasn't been to prison, right? No, yeah. no. Okay, good. So, um, I mean, I love everybody, all of our listeners who have been to prison. Yes. Love you. But, I mean, that's that. Hmm. That's the example of what Christ has set us free that's from. That's good, yeah. That prison of racism. He has killed the hostility mm-hmm. between us. So what happens when you go to prison? Man, it's off, man. We're... You, the color of your skin is the most important thing. Yeah. And then I think they segregate it based upon unique gangs, you know, cause sure. like, cause if you have a bunch of Hispanics, they're not all going to get along, That's get right. a bunch of blacks and all going to get along. even amongst the Aryans, uh, which is weird. I've never referred to myself as an Aryan, <laughs> but the Aryan brotherhood, never, never been to prison, never been to prison. Like I would last five minutes in prison. Um, but, you know, they even have to divide those groups if there's hmm. too many of them based upon wow. not just race, but then gang yeah. affiliation. Absolutely. But that's that's what Christ has come to set us free from. And unfortunately, the church models prison more than we do yeah. revelation. And we, we've we've been divided. And, and that is primarily because of slavery mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. So we had a civil law that created a theological problem for the church. So, right, black people could be bought, which is gross. And so, right. So now we can't, we can't live as free people in mm-hmm, the church mm-hmm. because of our culture. And, and, and that's what happens now with so many Christians. Well, you know, my neighbors are gay, so that must be fine. You're allowing a cultural right. construct to dictate your spiritual mm-hmm. truth. And, and, and 
And what's happening with gender and sexuality is the same way the church sold out with slavery in the 19th yeah, century. Absolutely. They said, well, because this is socially accepted and this is the social norm, then that has to be how my church is run. And that's gross. Mm -hmm. It's gross, man. We are, whether we're black or white, gay or straight, whether we're male or female, we are all called to repent and come to the church. And man, that's just so beautiful. And again, I'm not just picking on, on the gay issue, the LBT, LGBTQ issues. Like if you're LGBTQ and you go to our church, I love you. Absolutely. I'm praying for you. Absolutely. You are welcome here, but you are called just like I am to a different standard. And so I don't know if it's this week or next week, but I'm gonna, the sermon is going to be called A Different Sexuality. Mm. As Christians, we have to create our own sexuality. because, And, and we should be able to do that because we're creating them right. every day. Right. So why not have a Christian sexual ethic that drives us, whether you're gay or straight, whether you're, you know, you're bi or you're, or you're trans. Look, my sexuality and identity in Christ uh, is more important than my personal mm -hmm. desires and, and, and sense of identity. It supersedes that. Everything and so else. I just think, I just think we're, we're totally, totally missing it because mm -hmm. we've made Ephesians an argument about Calvinism versus Arminianism, two dead old white guys. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's gross. It's out of touch. I think I've seen like the church, I guess my fear kind of to what you were saying is that we're trying to accommodate everybody's yes. ideas, especially when it comes to racism or comes to the division. I mean, I grew up in Pomona so and Rialto. I kind of grew up in both. And so is Black Brown. It was my best friends were Filipino. They were mm. my only Christian friends. They were twins. Um, and they so I had a very different experience. It wasn't until mm. I didn't really experience racism from white people. There were mm. just not very many. Yeah. And all of my white friends were fabulous. You know, right. my husband, the same thing. He, his parents pastored in South Central LA. Right. They didn't want their kids raised there. So they moved them to Laverne, wow. which is like yeah. Claremont white in the eighties that it was white. And he was ASB president and homecoming King. You know, there was not, we have a very different experience. It wasn't until I moved to Tulsa mm. for school that I was like, in Oklahoma. I did. Whoa. I did. I that was moved. some of the worst race riots happened there. Yeah, I know. Oh, I didn't even wow. know about that yeah. until I moved there. And I was like, Did you what go to the heck? school with the praying I hands? I went to Oral Roberts. Oh, I my did. Gosh. I have a picture of me next to the hands. <laughs> really? Yeah. They're so creepy. They're huge. Yeah. The giant hands. Huge. They're you huge. You want to talk like about like massive. Yeah. Christian spending money on dumb things. <laughs> yeah. Like gigantic I mean, we, hands. I mean, the whole, all the architecture at ORU, now you guys have to look it up, is really interesting. There's this building like with stars. We call it the Rapture Rocket because yeah. it was so, it was, it, everything was, Real Can I ask you a question? I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings. When no. you first went there, did you think the campus was ugly? I thought it was ugly. No, it just, I wouldn't say ugly. It reminded me of like a, it was buck, like a bad 70s, Buck Rogers movie. Yeah, it was like 70s backward. Uh, when I first got there, the couches were still orange. Oh. Yeah, like orange 70s brown, orange and brown decoration, huh. that kind of thing. My dorm wasn't, they've upgraded now. It looks fabulous. Yeah. But when I was, when I was, went, went there, I still had to wear skirts oh, wow. to class. Yeah. yeah. And I, we just wore a sweatshirt and jean skirt and flip flops and we yeah, were yeah. in dress code. But anyway. Did you have to walk on different roads, different paths? Because no. <laughs> some of those schools, boys had one path and girls had I've another. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. no, I didn't. They, they, hadn't were, they hadn't read Ephesians. They hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't until I went to Tulsa that I was like, oh, this is, People have different experiences than me from a girl yeah. in Southern California who yeah. grew up around Blacks, Hispanics, and mm -hmm. and Vietnamese and Filipinos. It's different. And yeah. so I think where I get nerve, what I've seen recently in the church is us trying to accommodate all of these different peoples. Like like you said, the equity issue. We yeah. need equity. But, but I think we can't look 
to the world for the solution. Right. It's at the cross. Like, let's not let, I don't want the church to run away from God's plan to, to mm -hmm. try to accommodate all these different voices that are saying something. Because really, even as black people, we all have different experiences with race and racism. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had a black teacher in high school that was racist against black people. He would tell me not to hang with the other black people. A black teacher? Yes. Oh, wow. I had a, um, you know, for me, it, it was Asians, you know, walking through black hair care salon or a black hair care store. The Asians are the ones that are a little bit more racist mm. towards black women, but I'd never really experienced that from white mm. people. So yeah. maybe I was too dumb to know. Did you experience racism in Tulsa? I Tulsa was pretty diverse. It wasn't until my best best friend at the time was from Arkansas, mm. lived on the border of Oklahoma, lived on yeah, the yeah, border yeah. of Arkansas and Oklahoma, lived was in a double white? white. She was. Okay. I was her first black friend that she had wow. ever had in her life. She lived in a double white trailer on the border of, mm. of Oklahoma and Arkansas, went to her house, stayed there for a couple of days and went to Walmart. And I was like, Oh, I'm different. Like it was the first mm. time. And I said, just tell them I'm Native American. Like it was the first time wow. that I had, because she was part Native American. Arkansas uh, is super white. It was really white. Yeah, and like, I, I yeah. had never, and from Southern California, you're like, I don't even have this experience. I know, you like, know, like, at least Utah, in the IE. Like Utah white. Yeah. And so that was the first time I was a little more self-conscious about mm. it. But I, I still, I mean, I kind of walk into the room thinking everybody's going to love me. That's just kind of the way that yeah. my personality is. Well, you're pretty so, lovable. So. <laughs> thanks. But um, that was the first time I, I recognized it, but I was her first black friend. But at the same time, I had a white friend who lived, who grew up on the Rio Grande and I was her first black friend as well Okay. because she grew up with all Mexicans, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I think all of our experiences with that are so different. So I don't like this, the clumps, the categories, like, well, everybody's experience is like this. I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. And as a church, I think we have the best solution for this. It's the cross. That's Amen. what you're saying. Yeah. That's what the book of Ephesians is telling us. So yeah, I, I talked a lot. Right yeah. Then. And I don't think it's <laughs> been, I don't think it's been preached well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's been heard well. And, and, and the struggle for all of us, the, the struggle for the church in every generation is that we are more in tune with our current culture than we are yeah, the cross. That's and good. that's every single generation. And and what I find a couple of weeks ago, I preached that sermon, um, a, a different grace. Mm -hmm. And this woman came up to me and she said, Oh, I loved this sermon, right? This is a chocolate covered turd. <laughs> you know what that is? Like it seems sweet, but it's not. <laughs> so she came up to me and she said, I loved this service. I just can't stand the music you guys play because we sang Amazing Grace. Oh, so at the end, yeah, yeah we sang Amazing she Grace. Didn't like that song? At, no, she loved it. Oh, okay. But that's all she loved. Oh, okay. and the reason for that is she didn't hear a word I said. Hmm. She she had no grace for our church, for our worship team, for anything. Yeah. And I just was like, you just gave me a chocolate covered turd yeah. for the song Amazing Grace. And man, it's it's grace that makes us different. And mm -hmm. uh, you know somebody. Somebody said on my Instagram, well, grace is just a different word for love. No, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different word. Yeah. It doesn't mean love. <laughs> Not a love. different word for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's the problem with so many of our young people today. You know, the educational system is part of the reason why I have such a huge problem with all this gender stuff. It's like, look, man, when you guys start nailing, like, mm -hmm. like when our kids are like too smart and reading, writing and arithmetic, let's have some room for some Absolutely. other things. Absolutely. But when, you know, like 80% of our students don't know their, their, why there are 50 stars in the flag. Like, I, if you watch that thing where that guy walked around on social media and he yeah. has a little microphone <laughs> he's like, and he's all, and so no matter what people say, he says it's right. Right. How many states in America? 13. He's all, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does the O stand for on the periodical table? Right. Awesome. Which is not even an O. 
<laughs> and he's like, right on. Right. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. They don't know anything. And it's like, but they know, but, but they know, you know, the 237 different types of genders right. that aren't Absolutely. real. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what are we doing? And, um, so there's just, there's just so many, so many challenges, but, but, you know, I, I experienced racism as a kid growing up mm -hmm. in, you know, black neighborhoods, Hispanic neighborhoods. And, and I, I mean, it bothered me so bad. Um, I didn't understand why I was white. Wow. And I actually prayed to God. I, I, I tell a joke. I, I prayed God to make me black like Michael Jackson. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. And that's then, the wrong kind. <laughs> I know. But then I tell people God answered that prayer and he made Michael white like me. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I know. But I mean, I, I was acutely aware hmm. that I was not I was not the cool color. Wow. So in elementary school, hmm. um, you know, you can't dance. You're not fast. Hmm. You're not an athlete. Like all the things that mattered to me as a young man. Hmm. And I think it's why so many of my white friends turned to drugs. Yeah. Because that was the group that was available to you. Mm -hmm. The stoners, man. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't, when I was a kid, we didn't have black stoners. Did they, like I, no. they, they might've existed, but we didn't yeah, have, we those didn't were all see, like white yeah. people with like, a, yeah. I was going to say Metallica shirt, but they didn't exist yet. Like Guns N' Roses shirt. Sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah, Metallica is the nineties. Sorry. Yeah. You, you get so old. You can't remember which, which decade, decade bands go to, but, but I think that's why, because they were looking for a group. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, but then at my church, um, my dad was just ahead of his time. Our, our church, we had a Korean speaking church. We had an mm -hmm. Armenian speaking church and, and we had people of all ethnicities yeah. in our church. And that was, I thought that was normal, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that yeah, is, that is not, not normal. normal. And then I yeah. went to Cal Baptist and there were like three black people. When yeah. I, went. It, I was like, what <laughs> happened? Everything so, shifted. Yeah, it was, I mean, that's changed now. Cal Baptist yeah. is, is pretty diverse, but man, when I went there, like it was, I think there was three dudes in the dorms. Yeah. That was it. Wow. So. Awesome. I, that was, that was a long answer. I know. I, we just went off on that one, but thank you. Uh, Mike. I still can't believe you went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was the best experience of my life. See, that's incredible. It was the best experience of my life. I always say that God found me there. Aww. He did. I yeah. mean, I grew, I grew up in church and I knew all the things. It was and the big he hands. It was, <laughs> it was the prayer hands. And I went across the street to Victory because I, did, I didn't have a car and I didn't have a license. Mm. And Billy Joe was my pastor. Billy Joe? His name was Billy Joe. Oh, yeah. And I loved that man. I loved that man. And I... Um, I grew so much there. I mean, God just mm -hmm. absolutely revolutionized my life. And I, I had a counselor there. Her name was Lover May. Black Lover lady, May, yeah. Black lady named Lover. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, just helped me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was on the struggle bus. And um, it it revolutionized my life. I was still dating my husband. Mm -hmm. He lived, he was still here in California. We mm -hmm. dated four years long distance. Wow. Right. Those are the best kind of relationships. I I agree. It was great. Um, I was exposed to missions. I had never heard wow. of anything like that growing up. I mean, black culture, we just, it, it, black churches in, for the most part, I think it's changing now, but we don't do that. Mm. We don't go on missions trips. Mm. You know, I, I had never mm. heard of anything like that. So I'm like, sign me up. I'm yeah. going somewhere, you know, <clears throat> um, changed my life. Yeah. So, um, you know, we bought Vine Life, um, which was the largest black church mm. in, um, in Riverside. Mm -hmm. For those of you listening, Sandals started in Riverside, California. Now we're all over Southern California. Mm -hmm. But I remember I was talking to the pastor there and um, he he made this comment one day, which I didn't know how to take it. He, he said, we need to learn some things from the white church. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, I don't know that Sandals is white, <laughs> but um, you know, but that's based on your experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, but what he meant was there were just things that we were doing that he had never considered. And I was like, oh, 
you know, and so that was really surprising to me. Yeah. We ended up meeting with like their, their family ministries mm -hmm. team. We ended up meeting with their missions team mm -hmm. and all kinds of things like that. But it was great. Um, I really appreciated just his openness. Yeah, absolutely. But it was just so interesting that it was the sale of a building that actually Open forced us hmm. to, to, to work together. And I mean, I'd driven past his church for 20 years, mm -hmm. never met him. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a really, really interesting conversation just about how we're missing out on some things because there are cultural blind spots to all of our groups. Absolutely. And, and and we need that. So I still can't believe you went to that school. I did. What about the skyscraper out of nowhere? Yeah, that used to be a hospital. It is the weirdest building I've ever seen. So because there's one, no, no, there's one, she's going to make it sound like it's normal. <laughs> there's one skyscraper, skyscraper in the middle of this. Of nowhere, a flat of, land. A flat land on a campus. And it's, it's like well, okay, 50 but did you, stories. But did, it's the dimensions of Noah's Ark. Oh. Did you know that? No. <laughs> That's why it's so huge. Okay. And it was a hospital. Okay. Because um, Oral, he was very much known for healing ministry, but built a hospital. Yeah. And then it kind of flopped. And yeah. A lot of things kind of flopped. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oral Roberts. And good yeah. old Oral. Yeah. People, when I would tell people in high school, they were isn't like, you're going like to a dental school? Yeah. Isn't there a 50 foot Jesus there too? Or, so? or no, he no, saw a 50 foot Jesus. That's what it, yeah, that yeah. was what some of the things that he said. Mm -hmm. There's some interesting stuff going on. Yeah. But, but God uh, used that. Yeah, no, there, the people that here's the thing is, and, and I would say this to everyone, people dismiss God because of the wackiness of Christians. Right. And Oral Roberts, I'm not trying to be offensive, a little wacky. I'm just saying <laughs> <He> that. <was. laughs> but but you met a very real Jesus Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And so here's what I would say to all of our listeners. Don't be turned off by the goofiness, the mm -hmm. wackiness, the weirdness mm -hmm. of Christians. There are real saints and real Absolutely. believers everywhere. Everywhere. And and you can find them. Um, and instead of turning you off to God, they can turn you on to the power mm -hmm. of the spirit. Absolutely. And that's what happened to you. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly wow, I did what not anticipate discussing Oral Roberts University today. Or are you? Yes. I'm going to do the... Yeah. <laughs> the, little, the little cheer. I think okay. our schools play each other now. Uh, they probably do. Yeah. yeah. They were, they were doing good. What was it last year? They got made it all the way yeah. to the, whatever. I don't know anything about college basketball. Or Both our schools were on ESPN because my school beat your school with a last second 60 foot it. shot. <laughs> yeah. It was on ESPN. It was crazy. literally just like the guy just threw the ball and it went in the net and, and, and the Cal Babs Lancers were more surprised than your wow. team. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Oral Roberts. It was on ESPN. Yep. It's a good school. Yeah, got Lance it, up. It was, it was, it was awesome. Okay. <laughs> Jose from Riverside. Jose, Next save question. us, Jose, save Jose, us. Jose, we are moving. Um, this is a great question. How do I know I'm living the life God desires for me? What are the disciplines you establish to be in the place where God has you? And I think this is in reference to a couple of weeks ago, you talked about obedience. Right. If I had a hanky, I would have threw yeah. it at the, at, yeah. the, at the, because you were saying, if you want what I have right now, you should, you were talking to younger yeah, that people. That was a black church reference. It was, yeah. it was a black all, church. All the white people were just like, what? I'm like waving my yeah. hanky, like amening, yeah, going amen. full Come Pentecostal on, on you yes. in the front row. Um, you were saying, if you want where I am yeah. now, you, you have to start in obedience way back yes. here. And so he's saying, how do I know I'm living the life God desires for me? What are the disciplines you established to be in the place where God has you? So the Great first, question. yes. So the first thing that I did was I was a Christian my whole life, raised in church, never read my Bible ever. Wow. I just, I just, I mean, yeah. I, I read it like on Sundays, you right. know, like we of would course. read it, but I yeah. never read it. And so I had to make a decision. If I'm going to live this, I have to learn this. Good. So let me say that again. If you're going to live it, you have to learn it. You cannot be obedient to what you do not know. Mm -hmm. And so I just started reading through the Bible and I, I found it fascinating. And so one of the things I remember, and I want every parent to listen to me. I remember as a child, when I woke up every single day, mm -hmm. I would get ready for school. My mom was sitting at the dining room table, reading her Bible every day. 
And I remember that. And one of the things that I love the most about my mom, and this is interesting. So um, I celebrated my birthday uh, with my wife's family mm -hmm. this last um, summer. And it was the first time that I'd ever been with them on my birthday. So typically I'm with my family, I'm here, but for whatever reason we were there. And it was interesting my sister-in-law, so we do words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. So we go around the room because what, because what I, my wife started this tradition, you say all these nice things about people when they're dead. Yeah. Why not say them when they're alive? And so we do words of affirmation. And the thing my sister-in-law shared is she said, you are, you are this, you are the most stable thing in our family. Wow. And she said, I've appreciated that about you for 25 years. Now, when I started dating Tammy, that would not have been a word <laughs> that I would have used to describe myself, but it's true. I have become very stable and it's because scripture has stabilized mm. me. So Paul talks about that, excuse me, John, James talks about, if you don't know God's word, you are tossed back and forth, depending upon the wind and the waves. And that's where I see most Christians. Most of you should not be turning to me and listening to my show. You should be reading the scriptures so that you know mm -hmm. either A, the answer uh, that you're searching for, or you know how to find it. Mm -hmm. And so I just started reading the scriptures. And my mom, the reason I am stable is because scripture stabilized me. So the first thing is you have to become an expert, not to win arguments, but to live your life. Mm -hmm. How do I live my life as a Christian? That's good. And I, so yeah. I need to know this. The next thing I started doing was talking to God. So I read the Bible and then I talk to God. Yeah. And it was very, very short at first. The Lord's Prayer is 15 seconds. Start there. 15 seconds every day. Just say a little prayer um, and start there. Then what I did is I fully committed myself to mm -hmm. the church. People are going to think that I do this because I'm a pastor and I need your commitment. I, I was not a pastor when I did. I realized, so we're going to get to this in Ephesians 5, mm -hmm. that you know, everybody reads Ephesians 5 at weddings about how the husband's right. supposed to love the wife and right. the wife's supposed to respect her husband. Paul is not making that point at all for marriage. He's talking about how Christ and the yep. church are one and how Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. Mm -hmm. And it's Christ's love for the church that is the example of how a husband should love his wife. And so we all get convicted as men to be better husbands, but we don't get convicted to love the church. Mm. And so I started loving the church. And so here's how you love the church. You attend regularly you give generously and you serve, you serve. Yeah. You find a place to plug in. S stop praying about where God wants you and start serving where the church needs you. Absolutely. That is it. And I just literally said, where does the church need me? What can I do? And I served. I just started serving. I started getting involved and, and guess what? Youth ministry. Nobody wants to work with youth. That's where I went. And I just started working and serving and I jumped in. I knew nothing about the Bible. Mm -hmm. Like, I could teach like one sermon that I heard Greg Laurie preach and then that was it. <laughs> um, and I just, I had to start learning mm. and I started learning and I started growing. I started changing. Uh, and then as I was reading my Bible, I was praying, I was attending church religiously. Like I went every week. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I just didn't miss. And then I started um, serving. That's when I heard God's call. Yeah. You, you are going to be a, you're going to be a pastor. It's, not only did I hear God's call to be a pastor, I heard God's call to be a church planter and I didn't even know what that was. And what that means is a person who starts churches. Yeah. So, um, and so I found that, I found that in the church. I found who I am hmm. in the church. And that's what, you know, so many people are running to these colleges and the colleges are saying, pick, 
And God's saying, no, no, I've already have something picked. Discover, yeah. I already have something yeah, chosen absolutely. for you before the foundations of the world. And, and it's a unique way for you to impact. And so we serve the church and we reach out to our friends and family and we tell people about the love of Jesus. We mentor people, we disciple mm. people. My favorite thing, like Donna, when I was at your campus, seeing the impact that Sandals Church is having yeah. in San Bernardino, I couldn't sleep when I came home. Mm. I was so pumped about what we're doing. Awesome. Um, knowing that city council members, the mayor was there. Um, you know, on the one hand, he's talking to me about San Bernardino Airport, which I didn't even know they had an airport. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 then the next sentence about how he's so excited about what's happening at Sandals Church. Mm-hmm. Then I got to hear from the head of the school board and how he's a member of Sandals Church and he loves Sandals Church. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, we are He's not. Great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was just an incredible thing. And I get to do that because 25 years ago, I said, Lord, whatever you want to do. So my friend Claude Hickman says this, Pastor Claude, he said, we don't say yes to God when he gives us an arrow. We put our yes on the table and we go wherever he says. And so why is Sandals Church in the Inland Empire? Because I put my yes on the table. Mm-hmm. Tammy and I were living in Huntington Beach and we came here. Mm-hmm. That's that's where God called us. And, and we've been faithful ever since. Mm. And here's the thing. God doesn't move his yeses all over the table. God, man, Christians move, you know, I have one wife in one church, mm-hmm. 25 years. I have not moved because God has not spoken. Yeah. I've watched people come and go and I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm this and I'm that. I'm like, man, I am here. Mm-hmm. I'm here until God speaks and calls me somewhere else. And that hasn't been easy, but, but that's what I would encourage you to do. Your calling tomorrow is revealed by your obedience that's today. That's so good. So, so as a, is this a, as a man? Yeah, Jose. So Jose is a young man, sexual purity. Yeah. So that means no pornography. Man, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. Um, when Paul says in Ephesians, let promiscuity not even be named among you. Mm-hmm. Man, for most of us, we've completely divorced our sexuality from our spirituality. Most Christians, that is two things. Um, you know, we were watching that that movie. I was, I was telling you about a couple of weeks ago on, on, on date night, the, the Nicholas Sparks movie. Yeah. She gives this big speech about how she believes in God and then sleeps with him. Yeah. And I'm like, right, but no, that nobody thinks there's anything right. wrong with that. And not only did she sleep with him, but she was with another guy. She was cheating in this Nicholas Sparks movie on her boyfriend who was out of town. D- didn't bother her at yeah. all. True love, right? So love trumps all. It's like, no, our calling trumps all. Yeah, that's good. And so so number one, sexuality. Number two, get an, get an accountability group and, and get with Christians that are going to follow God. Yeah. Look at your friendships and ask yourself, are they going with God where I want to go? And if they're not, you got to get new friends. You you got to get with people. And that doesn't mean you cut everybody out of your life like a cult. You just have your core that supports mm-hmm. you and encourages you. And then you have ministry. And so every single person, when I meet, I say, is this, is this a part of my core? Is this ministry? Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have it confused. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get a lot of wounding when you fall in love with people who are ministry. They're going to hurt you because they're broken. And, um, you know, so like in my life, I had to have this conversation with a, a good friend of mine. I said, there are three categories of people in my life. I'm some people's pastor, their ministry. Uh, I'm some people's boss, that's work. Mm -hmm. And then I'm some people's friends. Mm -hmm. And when I confuse those three things, life is really miserable. Because when people leave my church and we're no longer friends, what were we? Right. I was their pastor. Right. (laughs) When people leave employment, I mean, I've, I've lost, I thought people, man, I thought we were so close. They quit working for me. I never hear from, oh, I was your boss. boss, So is this work? Is this ministry? Is this friendship? Mm -hmm. And you really have to, and a lot of people who think they have friends, they don't. You Mm -hmm. got friends, you got people at work and maybe you have, you know, people at your, your church that are ministry, but who are the people that's, who's the friend that sticks closer than a brother? Yeah. 
Um, and, and those are the people. And like, for me, that's why Dan Zimbardi, our executive pastor, like he and I, we talk on the phone, like we're boyfriend, girlfriend. We talk (laughs) all the time. My wife's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, Dan, um, because I love him. And he is one of the most gracious men I have ever. I I am so impressed by him, but keep going. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, so, so that's what I would say, Jose is. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus says today has enough trouble mm. for its own. Did I read my Bible today? Did I go to work today? Did I pray today? Did I did I connect with somebody about God today? Mm. And so, so the further you are away from God, don't join one group. Join five groups. Go to go to church on Saturday nights, Sunday mornings. Um, you know, Christians who've been a Christian a long time, they're I'm so burnt out on a church man. Don't hang out with them. <laughs> you want to hang out with people that every time the doors are open, you're there mm-hmm. because that's how you change your life, and that's that's how I change my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Greg Laurie's a, a friend of mine at Harvest. And, you know, he's always so sad because I didn't stay at Harvest, um, which I, I could have stayed at Harvest. It's a great church. Love Greg, love the ministry. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be where I am today without Pastor yeah. Greg Laurie. And I appreciate him and Kathy for so many reasons. One, they're still married, scandal-free, love them. Yeah. But, you know, he's always so bummed as well because I went to the Baptist church down the street. And they're like, oh, you want to serve? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean you know, like, in like in like two weeks, man, I was... I had an old lady at the church at Magnolia Avenue Baptist that was going to pay for my seminary. Wow. She paid for me to go to school. You guys want to hear the trippiest thing? I need to, I need to find out her name. I only met her twice um, because she died, but she was led by God to pay for two men's education. Do you want to know what their names are? Rick Warren. Wow. And Matt Brown. Wow. This old lady. So, so think about this. You, you think I don't have a calling. Wow. God had blessed this woman. Her husband was dead. Um, had blessed this woman financially. I had to go meet her at this big mansion house. Wow. Um, it was totally awkward because I didn't, I didn't grow up rich. She's like super rich. Like I didn't know which fork, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you start from the outside, you start from the inside. It was really awkward. She was really old. I was worried she was going to die like while we were eating. <laughs> um, and um, she, just, she just told me, she said, I've only done this one other time. Wow. And she said it worked out good for him. His name is Rick Warren. Wow. And she said, and she did. She said, all I want to do is see your grades. I want to know that you're, and she paid for my whole four years of education. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that's the thing is, man, but what had she done? She attended church Mm. every week. So the pastor said, we're going to help this young man become a pastor. So she was sitting in church that week. She had saved her money. So we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. I think in December, the reason that we work is so that we have something to give. Mm -hmm. And so she already tithed. She already gave to the church. I think she two buildings at Magnolia Avenue Baptist Church are named after her husband, her and her husband. Like they were big givers. And she just said, I'm going to pay for this young man mm-hmm. to go to seminary. And she died my second year in school and in her trust left, like kept kept paying for me to go to school even though she was dead. Like she gave her commitment. Like she gave a commitment and she did that. And I mean, so many of us, you think, well, I don't know that I'm making a difference. I don't know that she knew what Sandals Absolutely. Church was going to become. And so I want everyone listening that's blessed by this ministry. I, I Part of the reason I know the things I know mm-hmm. is because I was able to go to school mm-hmm. and this woman paid for it. I can't even, I, I feel terrible that I can't remember her name, but she paid for it. She yeah. paid for it all. Like she paid for my books. She wow. paid for my school. She paid for it. And I, I'm just so grateful for that. And that's the thing is, man, you know, we, we think about, well, I'm not famous and I'm not known and I'm not an influencer. <laughs> she had as much influence in my life as anybody. And, and think about it. 
conversely, she's influenced your life. Absolutely. Diva's life, San Bernardino's life. Right. Like her investment just keeps growing. And that's so much of what Christians miss when Jesus says, whatever you give will mm-hmm. be paid back to you a hundredfold. Yeah. So like in prosperity gospels, we always think that's dollars. Right. Sometimes it is. But think about, I don't know, her 20 or 30,000. I don't know how much my schooling was. It's not nearly as much as it is today. Think about how that's magnified. Yeah. So her 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 thirty thousand forty thousand dollar investment. Sandals has a budget of twenty million a year. Fourteen campuses, mm-hmm. thirty thousand people mm-hmm. listening Hearing every week yeah. to hear the gospel. That was her investment. So she got like a ten thousand fold yeah. increase, and and that's what we, Jose. That's what you want to say is God. I uh, I had a friend of mine. Uh, Brent Mishler and I love him and I met him in Huntington Beach and he was a he was a super you know he was going to change the world be a billionaire or whatever and I said what's your financial goal this year and he said I want the senior pastor's salary to be paid by my tithe and he told me he said you don't ask God to increase your wealth you ask God to increase your giving that's good he said that's the secret and I was like that's a good idea <laughs> so I mean think about that he was like a 30 year old businessman and he said, I, I want my tithe to pay for the pastor. I, so the church doesn't have to pay him. I'm paying him. That's my goal. And, and that's what you want to do. Don't ask God to bless your getting. Ask God to bless your giving. Well, you can only give what you make. Yeah. You can only give what you have. And so that's the beauty of it. So Jose, serve yeah. in such a way that, and just decide, if you date somebody, you just tell her, um, I'm only dating somebody that serves the Lord. Period. Absolutely. That's it. I'm only dating somebody that gives to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm only dating somebody that reads God's word every mm-hmm. day. These are the things and that's what will change your life. Like it changed me. Yeah. And so, you know, we are not what we do occasionally. We are, we become what we do habitually. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you just got to know 70% of the people at Sandals Church come once a month, maybe they say they watch online. Um, you know, questionable. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Like, okay. So, um, most people do not religiously mm-hmm. read God's word, serve God's church, attend and give. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why, you know, people say the churches are all about money. Well, we have to talk about it all the time because people don't give. Mm-hmm. Um, now I got to say, Sandals Church, since I talked about giving in September, man, there's been a huge influx awesome. of giving. So thank you so much. Uh, these are scary times. Yeah, People are scared financially. People are scared about gas prices. Um, you know, I went and spoke in, in a, a friend's church. It cost me 180 bucks to fill my truck. I was like, wow. I told the church I got robbed on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> and then the police said, what does he look like? I said, pump number nine. Yeah, absolutely. So, I know. I thought it was funny. It was. Thank we were you. laughing. Yeah. Still, Thank you, Jose. I hope that, I hope that I answers it. I think that it. that's good. And this is like, I'm like, this is, this is life. Like yeah. this is living. This is Christianity. This, I think some people, you know, think, well, we have to do this or I need to know these yeah. mysteries or whatever. And it spend time with God yeah. and read Amen. your word mm-hmm. and you grow yeah. and you grow spend and, and, and serve in your church. And it's in that serving that God gives you your mm-hmm. specific place that he wants you to be. Yep. So good. Thanks, Jose. Appreciate you. Okay. This is Cassie from Iowa. Mm, Cassie. Love it. This is a good one. Ooh, this is good. I'm reading through Leviticus. Light Ooh, reading. Yeah. Um, currently, and I'm hitting chapters 18 and 19 and realizing that there are both laws that Christians still hold on to and some we have decided to disregard. Are we wrong in our approach to this? Should we be treating prostitution the same way as wearing clothes with more than two types of fabric? Right. Why are some of these laws things that we have decided Jesus has saved us from and some that we still hold on to strongly? Can you help shed light on this? 
Yeah. So uh, thank you so much. This is a huge question that, that has ravaged the church for about 1700 years. So remember when the church first started, it was all Jews. Mm -hmm. So this was not a problem because you had Jews deciding what part of their law we, you know, we should live out and what parts we should not. Now, having said that, that's, there's tension between Peter and Paul on mm -hmm. this issue. Um, so much tension that ultimately they decide to let Jesus's um, brother James in Acts 15 make the decision. Uh, and he comes up with a couple of things, you know, don't eat uh, uh, food sacrificed to idols, don't eat stuff that's strangulated, don't drink blood and, and do not engage in sexual promiscuity. And that's just so important for everybody who thinks that you know, especially the sexual laws, which is so much actually of what Luke, uh, excuse me, Luke, Leviticus 18 mm -hmm. and 19 are about. It's mm -hmm. about who we have sex with. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in the the new sexuality thing is because we have divorced our sexuality and spirituality. Mm -hmm. Our sexuality is our own and then our spirituality is how we connect with God. But the truth is sex is given to us by God and is a spiritual thing. So let me just uh, throw this question out to the group. Um, so Jesus gave, so she asked, I'm reading through Leviticus 18 and 19. Jesus gave uh, two greatest commands that are one. Most of you guys know Deuteronomy chapter six, like hero Israel, love the Lord your God with thy heart, soul, mm -hmm. mind, and strength. The second is equal to it, love thy neighbor from thyself. You guys know where that comes from? Leviticus 19, 18. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. So before you're ready to throw Leviticus out, yeah. you just know that Jesus pulled the most important commandment from it. So Leviticus 19, 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. I am the Lord. Yeah. So Jesus quotes that. So Leviticus is actually a really, really beautiful text. So the church wrestled with this. So the less Jewish we became, the bigger of a problem this became because we didn't have Jewish people to help us guide this and navigate this. And so uh, a lot of our decisions, I believe, are actually rooted in racism. Mm. And so this is why the Catholic Church uh, became anti-Semitic. Um, you know, ridiculed, persecuted, killed the Jews, did terrible things to the Jews. I mean, the Jews got kicked out of a lot of Christian um, countries and guess where they fled? A lot of people don't know this. Muslim countries mm. were open to them and welcoming to them until kind of how Islam has changed like the last uh, 100, 150 years. It's become more militant, more fundamentalist and really kind of gone off the deep end mm -hmm. since the Jews have their own country. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest, that's that's really where the huge division is there between them is because Jews wanted a homeland, uh, you know, of their own in Zion. And that yeah. was a whole movement. And so that, in, that encouraged a counter movement amongst Muslims because you need to know they're relatives. Like, right. <laughs> like, like they're related. Right. You know, um, Abraham is a Middle Eastern person mm -hmm. from Babylon. Like he's he right. is as Middle Eastern as, as Arabs are or, or any of those people. And they are different, not because of their ethnicity, but because of their faith, mm -hmm. their religion. So, so, so typically, here's what most Christians would say is that the church historically has divided uh, the commandments in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, into three categories. So one is civil, one is ceremonial, uh, and, and then the next is moral. And so here's the thinking. Um, the civil is what it meant to be um, a Jew culturally. Mm -hmm. So that's clothing. Mm -hmm. You gotta yeah. dress a certain way. Uh, the next is ceremonially. So the things they had to do, the sacrifices, uh, how they prayed, um, the Sabbath, right? So they would say those things are off. And then they would say that there's moral things. Um, you know, don't kill the 10 commandments, right? Those things fall under the moral law. The problem is it's not that easy to distinguish what is civil, what is ceremonial and what is moral because Jesus would have considered all of those things to be 
you know, he didn't come to abolish the law. He said, I've come to fulfill it. So it's a really, really difficult issue for us. Um, What I would say is the best place to start is with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So always go to Jesus. Did he talk about it? Mm -hmm. What did Jesus say? Um, And and you, you have to you have to put on your thinking camp and really try because, because especially to my gay friends, they'll say, well, Jesus never addressed homosexuality. Well, he did because he talked about what God's intention for sexuality was. Mm-hmm. So the word for um, sexual sin in the New Testament is pornea. It's where we get our, uh, our word pornography from. So porn, right, is this giant word that encompasses straight sex, gay sex, bisex, right? It's this big word that all sex, and I would say that is recorded or photographed, right? That's, that's what that means culturally. So uh, pornea in the uh, context of Jesus would have meant all sex outside of a covenantal relationship mm-hmm. between one man and one woman in the context of marriage. So Jesus says that's all sin. So some of the sexual things we need to look at, and it, when you look at Leviticus, it's like some good news, like don't have sex with your pet. <laughs> yeah. Like absolutely, some of our Please listeners. Don't do that. Some of our listeners needed to hear <laughs> yeah, that, man. Absolutely. I mean, I, I I wish I would say this has never been an issue uh, in the church, but I've I've heard of this being an issue in the church, and so, um, you know, you can love your pet and you can love your animal. You don't have sex with it, no. But some people do, and that sounds crazy. But you gotta know, there's commandments in the Bible because there were problems in culture. Mm-hmm. Don't sleep with your you know your your wife and her sister. Mm-hmm. Don't sleep with your mom and their daughter. I mean, these are like. These are like good news. Uh, there's there's more difficult things like don't have sex with a woman when she's on her menstrual cycle. I mean that's that's in that passage, and so we have we have to work through those issues. And it just just know this, it's not as easy as you might think. Mm-hmm. Uh, tattoos are in here. Like right. some people in our church have tattoos, some don't. Um, and so what people could typically say, especially those that are pro tattoo, they say, well, this was written for Levitical priests only. Maybe mm-hmm. you know um, we have to understand that. The way that we read the Bible now really was cemented probably about 200 years before the birth of Christ. Before that, man, it was, think of it like Democrats and Republicans. They don't agree on what the Constitution says. They don't agree on what laws say. They're all Americans. Mm -hmm. Jews were the same way. Um, They did not agree on what was scripture, what were the commandments. There were different and competing uh, religious organizations in that. In about the second century, there's a canonization of Jewish scriptures and and they're kind of, woven together. And that's why you get some really weird things where like David plays uh, the harp for um, King Saul. And then in the next paragraph, they're meeting for the first time. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. It's different stories trying to be woven together. Um, You know, there's, there's just, there's just, there's just differences. It didn't, it wasn't written the way that we read it now. And that's not to say that it's not inspired. It's just to say that there were competing voices of what the Messiah looked like, of what was supposed to happen. And there's a convergence here. Some of these texts that we read are straight up quotes from the law of Hammurabi. Same, I mean, same thing. So and some people say, well, that's not inspired. No, here's what you need to know. People know what is good. Mm-hmm. Hammurabi knew what was good. And, and so all, all that it's doing is affirming that here's some ways where the code of Hammurabi was correct. Uh, in Moses, as a young Egyptian man, he would have had 42 laws. Some of the Ten Commandments are almost identical to the 42 laws mm-hmm. that we see in Egyptian culture. That doesn't mean that he stole them or borrowed them. It just means that the Egyptians were right 10 out of the 42 times. Um, because all cultures that have tried to be good, tried to right. be moral, 
I mean, every now and then, right? A broken clock is right twice a day. They got it right. And so the scriptures teaches us. And so there are just some things. So here's, here's the thing is, no, you know, wearing clothing mixed of different garments is not an issue, but it was for the Jews because so much of the Jews was, the law was to not be Canaanite. Mm-hmm. So when you read this, I think it's in 18.1, he says, do not become like the people of the land that you are inhabit- inhabiting, or I will take the land from you just like I took it from them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Canaanites practice homosexuality. Canaanites slept with anything and everything. We, we think of the most famous Canaanite, Rahab, right? Mm-hmm. She's a prostitute, mm-hmm. culturally normal. It's just kind of the wild west when it comes to sexuality, you know, do what you want. God says, you are not to be like that. And again, um, if everyone in your community is black, mm-hmm. how do you identify as a black woman and look different from, say, a Muslim woman mm-hmm. or an, an atheist black woman? Well, it's dress. Mm-hmm. So hijab, right? It's an it's a it's an identifying marker that says I'm a Muslim yeah. woman under uh, uh, Muslim law. The what is it called? The S word. Sharia. The, the Sharia law. So I'm a, I'm a woman living under Sharia law. Um, so it's an it's it's clothing for most of the ancient world was how you identified mm-hmm. yourself. And so it's how we knew what you were. Mm-hmm. It's how we knew who were slaves and not slaves. Um, I think prostitutes in Roman culture wore the Torah, not the Torah, excuse me, my <laughs> Jewish friends, the, uh, the, the, come on, it starts with a T. Talit? No, 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 what? Toga. Toga, there we go. Toga. Yes, from the center. Yes, McKay. The toga, <laughs> I think a woman wearing a toga because the toga was clothing for a man. So if you saw a woman in it, oh, wow. it identified her as property for sale. So clothing was the way that you distinguished yourself from yeah. others. So think about it in a world where everyone looks the same. Mm-hmm. So right. we, we live in a multicultural world where you're black, I'm white. In the ancient world, men, I mean, think about it. Jesus never left his hometown. Mm-hmm. He like, he never I, traveled more than 50 miles. Like he went to Egypt as a baby, but he has no memory of that. Mm-hmm. But even the Egyptians looked very similar to Jews. So how do you know that you're different? Clothing mm-hmm. is an identifying marker that says, I'm not like you. Next is food. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't eat with you. Right. Because what happens? You know, we got all the Christians in our church. Well, I go to the party. I'm the Christian missionary. Well, you do that long enough and you become just <laughs> like them. Absolutely. Right? You go from being, you know, the sober one who's going to drive to the person that needs to be driven home. Mm-hmm. And so- one of the ways that God separated his people, you're not going to be like these people is you're going to dress different. You're going to eat different. You're not going to socialize Mm -hmm. with them. You're going to be set apart as my people so that God can have a distinct people so that he can bring about the Messiah so that we can all be saved. Now we have Christians where, so the food laws are changed Mm -hmm. and that comes to us from God. Peter is told to take and eat that which is Mm -hmm. unclean. So we know that's changed because God changed it. Um, we, we know that um, the Messiah has come, so that changed it. And so as Christians, we have to read the Old Tes- T- Testament through the filter of Jesus, because you're going to read some crazy stuff <laughs> in the Old Testament. They did crazy things. They believed crazy things. They said crazy mm-hmm. things. You have to interpret all that crazy through Christ. It's just not as simple as, well, some are ceremonial. Right. Some are, uh, uh, what did I say? Moral, ceremonial, and civil. Civil. So civil laws. Like, what? What's a civil law? Um, drive fifty-five miles an hour on the freeway. That's a civil law. So if we have spaceships, that right. law is probably not going to, to right. matter anymore. So they throw out the civil. They throw out the ceremonial. Um, but they try to keep the moral. The problem is it. It's just not that clean, mm-hmm. and it's a struggle. And what I would say, um, you know, before you get a tattoo, pray about it. 
Yeah. Pray about it and say, Lord, you know, I, I want you to speak to me. I, w- I want you to talk to me. You know, do you care about this? You know, for some Christians, men I meet and, and their, their tattoos are their testimony and the way they share the mm-hmm. gospel. And it's a way they introduce their faith and what they believe. And then for others, it's like, no, that's not for me. Um, and, and you have to wrestle with that. But for me to come, you know, down hardcore and say tattoos are good or not good, I don't think is nearly as fair as to say, Leviticus is a challenging book to interpret. Yeah. So that's why we need to know Jesus. We need to understand him and do the best that we can because these commandments are thousands of years old and it's not easy. But here's the overarching thing. The, the same thing that was true for the Jews living in Canaan, the mm-hmm. same thing for Christians living in Rome is the same thing for you and I living in America yeah. today. We are not called to be an American. We are called to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly need to be saying, okay, what is American culture and what is a Christian value? And, 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 And what am I listening more to? And here's the thing is, we're more likely than not to be a, 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 an American. Hmm. And to mm-hmm. think like an American. And that's why the church is reinventing what the Bible says, because our culture is reinventing what it believes. Mm-hmm. Our culture is changing. Scripture has not changed. So like in Leviticus, um, I forget what passage it is specifically where it speaks to homosexual unions. It says, a man shall not sleep with a man as a man sleeps with a woman. So if you go to Harvard, they're going to tell you, well, we don't know what this passage means. Well, nobody's ever thought that until the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Because... We know what it means for a man to bed another man. It means don't have sexual intercourse man on man as you would, um, you know, a a man with a woman. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that it's supposed to be. So then they make it about power structures and equity and they go on this whole just nutty pretzel theology about, you know, um, I mean, so much of this stuff, it's just like this. They make it so complicated. You're just like, oh, that has to be true Mm -hmm. because it's confusing. It's like, no, no. Don't do it. That, 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 that's, that's the clear teaching of scripture. Now you can pray about personally, whether or not you're going to live that, but don't twist the meaning. Right. So, yeah. So, um, I was just listening to this, uh, actually Mormon theologian that I really like on TikTok. I, I follow him every day, but he calls them the clobber passages. And it's like, I, he's like, yeah, I, I hate it when people quote the clobber passages. I'm like, they're not clobber. They're clear. Yeah. It's it's clear. It's just, it's not what you want it to say. Does it mean clobber like it beats you up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, because uh, there are nine passages of, of scripture that yeah. clearly speak to um, same-sex sex. Right. And none of them are positive. Right. Then there are all kinds of, of other passages in scripture that may be alluding to that or not. Um, you know, Ezekiel may be talking about it a lot when he talks about abominations. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, um same-sex sex was widely practiced in the ancient world. It was restricted in the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. You just need to understand that. So it was widely practiced. Um, you know, almost every Greek god is homosexual or at least bisexual. Mm-hmm. Zeus, Achilles, um, like go back and watch Troy. The reason Achilles is in so in love with that young man is because they are intimate. Now, Hollywood blocked that out, mm-hmm. but it's a love story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's just, you know, homosexuality is, 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 is normalized in the ancient world. It is uh, criticized in the scriptures. Yeah. It is said, so we don't, we don't read it that way. And so what I would say now is homosexual behavior uh, is normalized. It's, it's normalized. Absolutely. But as Christians, I, I have to ask myself, okay, what does this mean for me as a believer? And, and that's not to clobber you, it's to call you <laughs> to Jesus. I don't want to clobber anybody. And that, that's really, really difficult. And so what people do is they say, well, look at how ridiculous that is. Because their question was, well, in the one hand, it says don't have sex with a prostitute. Another hand, it says don't wear Two clothing fabric, yeah. that has different types of fabric in it. And, and, and 
um, what's her name? Cassie. Cassie. What Leviticus is saying is you have to be different. Yeah. So for the Jew, um, you know, that meant we have to dress different, but, but man, for the women in our church, like, okay, yoga pants are cultural. Yeah. But my gosh, when, when I can see all the- Cover the, the hiney. Yeah, when I, well, the front part, the man, I'm like, man, you know, I, I am seeing way more of you than I need to Absolutely. see. Absolutely. But that is, but that's, you know, that's a cultural thing. It's yoga pants have been right. normalized. Right. And it's like, as a man, like if you want me to, to see you as an equal and, and to see you as, uh, you know, Donna, then I need to- I need to not see Donna like, yeah. and all that Donna is. <laughs> and, and man, but, but when I say that women go to, oh, you're a chauvinist, you're, you know, you, you're not allowing me to be liberated and I need to be just as free as a man and, and show me in scripture where it says that men are the goal. Mm -hmm. I'm not your goal. God yeah, is. Jesus is the and goal. And God has called you and men are not, men are not women and women are not men and you are beautiful and we're gross and I'm sorry <laughs> for you, but um, you know, God has given you a figure that is appealing to right. men and you need to be aware right, of that absolutely. as a Christian woman. So how much of my cleavage should I show? How much of my abdomen should I show? You know, how much of my, you know, uh, oh, shoot, all I'm, the other things. Yeah, thank you. There we go. Donna, all the other Donna things just saved me. with the yoga pants. Yes. Let's, let's, let's think about it different. And I, that's a cultural thing. Can you imagine when you're a kid, nobody would have wore that to school. No. Like, Kids wear it all the time. And then they wear the yoga pants with the crop top. And I'm like, what's actually happening, friends? Yes. I don't know what, what is, I think, in all of this. Because I think some people listening to this can be like, what does Leviticus say? Like if they yeah, never went back right. and read it. And I think you emphasize it's the call to be different. Yes. That is the point of this message is the call to be different. We are not supposed to look like, act like, be like, talk like mm -hmm. the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And the culture. Yeah. yeah, and so we fight over, you know, should we worship on Saturday or should right. we worship on Sunday? Are you taking a day off yeah. to rest? Do you worship? And worship. <laughs> right. Like, are you doing that? And so, um, because we don't we don't know when zero was. Like, we don't, yeah. like, right. Saturday exactly. may not be the Sabbath. I mean, right. we don't know. We can't count backwards right. all the way to the beginning of time. So, I mean, shoot, the Sabbath could be Tuesday. We yeah. don't know. Like, we, we don't have any idea. And so... But are you working six days, mm -hmm. resting one day mm -hmm. and worshiping and to go back to Jose? That's what makes you different. Yeah. This is the Lord's day and I'm going to worship him and I'm going to serve him. He gave me six days for myself. I'm going to serve the Lord. And, and church isn't even like a full day. No. It's like a couple hours. Half day, a couple hours. And that's if you serve I mean, and attend. How I grew up, it was like a oh, long, man. long day. Yeah. But, well, thank God yeah. we don't do that yeah. anymore. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> the preacher would preach till he had something to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, me and my husband were sitting in a long service a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, oh, man, we do not miss this at all. Thank God we, we don't have a long, long service. But anyway, so are I, we I different? Hope, yeah, yes. I hope that helps. Um, yeah. And, and so the thing is, people use this to really kind of under cut your faith mm -hmm, and, and really mm -hmm. get you to doubt that anything that you're doing matters. And so what I would say is start with Jesus. Did he address it? Did he speak to it? And if he doesn't speak to it specifically, is there a general principle that mm -hmm, you can apply? Mm -hmm. So out of Leviticus 18 and 19, which you're saying controversial, Jesus gave us the greatest commandment there is, love your neighbor mm -hmm. as yourself. So, and he expands it. So when you read it in Leviticus, it's for your Jewish neighbor, mm -hmm. which goes back to the good Samaritan, who is my neighbor? Yeah. So, so in that command, Jesus increases the command, he does not shrink it. So actually the law was easier. 
Same thing with divorce. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, Moses gave you a certificate of divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. That was not God's will. He does not lessen the sexual restrictions. He actually heightens them. And so a lot of people think Jesus is just this soft on the law dude, and he's not. He is very... He's very, very serious about fulfilling the law. He just wants us to understand mm-hmm. it. And so here's what you need to know about the law. Practicing the law cannot save you. That's all Paul's saying. Mm-hmm. He's not saying you shouldn't do it. Right. He's just saying we are not justified by the works of mm-hmm. the law. We are justified and saved by Jesus. He's not saying it's bad. He's just saying it can't perfect you. Mm-hmm. It can't perfect you. And um, and, and just so um, you know, our questioner understands it is worse to sleep with a prostitute than it is to wear clothing. You Absolutely. Know, that is, right. um, you know, cause I hear Christians say all the time, well, all sin is the same. It is not the mm-hmm. same. Like if, if you're going to murder me or say something bad to me, please <laughs> cuss me out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because murder is clearly, Absolutely. clearly worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Christians, you know, say these things. And so, um, just like on our law, not all law is the same, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just not slandering. Right. Somebody is not the same as murdering somebody. Right. It just isn't the same. That's why we have first degree murder, second degree, third degree murder, which by the way, comes to us from scripture. Hmm. I mean, those ideas are in the Jewish law. Uh, First degree murder is sitting and meditating, lying in wait, planning it out and killing somebody. Second degree murder is you get in a fight, things go bad. Accidentally murder someone, yeah. Yeah. The third degree murder is your your cow ran over Tammy and you you let her loose and you've been warned. Right. And now I got a dead wife. Right. So you are guilty of manslaughter. Right. So, um, and and that's where the the whole idea of degrees, first Mm -hmm. degree, second degree, third degree murder comes from scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like people say, well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. Well, really it's murder. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we get invaded by aliens, we got to kill some aliens. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we, we have to do that because that's not murdering. That's protecting mm-hmm. our families. Mm-hmm. God does not call you to be a wuss and let, let your, your family be raped and pillaged right. and hurt. You have to defend them. Right. Um, so, we, we have to learn to take these very difficult verses yeah. uh, and, and put them in context and try to understand. And let me just say, it's difficult. Yeah. I, I struggle with this. I wrestle with this. And and that's why, you know, people say, God said it. I agree with it. That settles it. It's like, well, okay, something that was written 3,000 years ago for a culture that we don't even understand um, it is difficult. Yeah. It's difficult for us to understand that. But what we know is they were called not to be Canaanite. Yeah. They were called to be Jewish. You are not just called to be American or or French or whatever country you're from. You are called to be a follower of Christ um, and, and do the best job you can at being a good citizen mm-hmm. of whatever country you're in. But um, you are called to follow Jesus. And, yeah. that, that, and that makes you different. And yeah. that's hard for people to hear because the truth is we just want to fit in. And we just want to do whatever we want to yeah. do. I know. So great job, Cassie. Cassie, I would encourage you all of us, before you open the scripture, ask the Lord to be with you, speak to you, um, ask the Holy Spirit to shine his light on you, because some of these things are, you know, don't eat shellfish, you know, some of these these scriptures are difficult for us to um, decipher, okay, God, what are you speaking to me? So that was good. Yeah. Thank you. That one was heavy. You guys, thank you so much again for submitting your questions. So, so good. Um, Again, go to move.sc forward slash ask, and you can submit questions there or write on the app. If you haven't downloaded the app, what's happening? Download the app, open it up, see what's on there. It's really cool. It like populates based on like where campus you go to, if you have little kids, if you have youth, it's really, it's awesome. So open up the app. 
Download it, open it up, submit a question right there as well. We'll get to as many of them as we can. Thank you so much. Keep sharing this, these messages with your friends, with your family. Watch them and give to Sandals Church. I don't just say that because <laughs> they didn't tell me to say that, but we're believers. We're different. We give. Give so that we can continue to impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Pastor Matt. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for checking out the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. The Debrief Podcast is produced by Sandals Church and is a show where Matt Brown answers questions on faith and culture. If you've enjoyed the debrief and want to help us create more content that helps people grow in their faith and in their journey of being real, I want to invite you to visit donate.sc. Thanks for joining us and God bless.